Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strolight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. All right, all right. Good morning to all of you, Cafe Bitcoiners. Good morning, P. Brady, Tomer, Chris, Jacob, and all of you. Good morning. Good morning. It's a bevy of swans. All right. This is Cafe Bitcoin episode 511. Shoutouts to our supporters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Fountain, Overcast. Our mission for this show is to provide some signal. In a sea of noise, teach the other 7 billion people on this planet why there is hope because of this bright orange future that we call Bitcoin. Today, we will be talking about recent developments with the SEC and the Bitcoin ETFs. This is like an ongoing thing, hasn't stopped, still doing, still happening. Uh, also, we're going to get we're going to get some input on on the Department of Justice's thoughts on Bitcoin, and we'll also talk a little bit about is one million dollars per Bitcoin crazy? I don't know. We're going to find out though. Also want to welcome Joe Nakamoto to the stage. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Alex. Thank you very much. Lovely to be with you all. How are you doing today? Oh, lovely. I love your accent. Uh, this guy is very well known for on-the-ground Bitcoin reporting from weird and wonderful places and creating Bitcoin shorts, videos, documentaries. If you don't know, take a look at his feed. He's got tons of stuff. Any uh, relation to Satoshi uh, Nakamoto? <laughs> Yeah, he's my dad, and he went to get milk in 2011, and he never came back. Just never oh, I'm returned. so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss, Joe. I didn't realize he was a deadbeat dad. That's, that's very sad. So I got over it. I just need to find out where he left his keys. Um, <laughs> but no, there is a serious answer. There is no relation whatsoever. Um, but turns out I have lots of cousins and nephews and things with similar surnames to me, which is good fun. Um, they might even join this uh, spaces today. Who knows? We will see. Who, who was it that asked that question? I didn't actually see. Sorry. Sorry, that that was me, Tomer. How do you know? Uh, thanks, Tomer. How do you know he's not your father? <laughs> That's the real question, isn't it? Nice. <laughs> that could be a real pro- plot twist. Um, I, I don't know. I might have to have a serious conversation with my mum after this call. Um, I'll get back to you. Sounds good. All right. Very good. So, uh, as you may have heard yesterday, uh, just a quick update. The time has come for me, the host of the show, regularly to pass the baton. ETFs are launching. I have a lot of work to do. We're going to be having new guests run this show. Moving forward, this will be my last week. We're still going to be covering news and discussions pertaining to Bitcoin, teaching people about Bitcoin. You can expect to see some great guests on here, knowledgeable founders of companies and projects in the Bitcoin space. So the show will continue. So moving on into the news, 
I thought maybe we would start out by checking in with Jim Cramer on what he thinks we should be expecting in Bitcoin. Comparison to another stock. We got Riot Platforms and Marathon Digital. Marathon what are we doing with Digital. these? You know, let's stop fooling around. If you want Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's topping out, by the way. So I'm going to say enough is enough and ka-ching is ka-ching. And that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you heard it here. Everybody should sell their Bitcoin. Now it's topped out. It was only a week ago he said you can't kill this thing. Not that they're necessarily contradictory statements, but boy, this guy Man. needs mood steadying medication. It's it's pretty incredible. There's this amazing sketch from Tignataro, who's a comedian, where she literally just pushes a stool around on stage and like has the mic on it, and it's like, eh, and it's horrifying, and then it becomes funny again. And then it becomes horrifying and it becomes funny again. It's a very, very nuanced comedic masterpiece. The point is, Jim Cramer's entire life is that. Like, how does he take himself seriously when he looks in the mirror in the morning? He's just been wrong about everything. I, you know, I don't, I don't, and yet he's still going. So I don't think he cares really. <laughs> he's probably one of these guys where he looks I'm, himself in the mirror and he's like, I love you, man. You're awesome. Let's go. <laughs> He looks I'll in the mirror you, the and is like, I will. That I, that I was told by a Goldman Sachs banker that they didn't view Jim Cramer's show as comedy or entertainment, I was kind of floored because I, I didn't watch it regularly, but I would watch it and I would see, oh, here's a guy with his shirt sleeves rolled up, sweating, screaming. It's, it's got to be just for entertainment value. And I never took it seriously. And then lo and behold, <laughs> a banker said to me, well, that's well, Jim Cramer said X, Y, Z. What the? That's the secret. It totally is for entertainment value. He knows it. Their network knows it, but the people may not know it. That's the that's the ironic part. Oh gosh, what if his entire life? Because you know, I I didn't grow up in the US, and it's been funny actually hearing all the British podcasters, like the British Bitcoin podcasters, make uh, make sense of Jim Cramer. A lot of them are, are actually calling him Jim Cramer, which I just find even funnier still. But um, is he so? So this the, the show that he's on. It's actually supposed to be legit. Like he's actually giving out proper financial advice. Because there's you know the inverse Kramer index. There's the you know, the fact that every call he does, you trade the opposite, and it seems to do a bit better. But is it genuinely you know legit financial advice that he's supposed to be giving? Is he a CFA? Yes, he he has a history of being a trader on Wall Street. So they propped him up on this show as a guy you should maybe listen to. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Is, uh, he the Alex, large... is he the Alex Jones of investing? <laughs> oh, yes. That's a... People it's go to his show genuinely it's looking for advice. Performance art, right? It's performance art. It's definitely know. performance art for sure. All right, let's move on. Did you guys know that the Bitcoin market cap is now has passed $907 billion and it's passed Meta, I guess, as one of the most valuable assets in the world? Oh, this should trigger some people in one way or another. I hadn't noticed. And I suspect it's just going to get higher. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, a couple of quick things from the Bitcoin Veterans Daily Intelligence Briefing. So Bitcoin is decoupled from the NASDAQ amid ETF speculation. The last 40-day correlation between Bitcoin and NASDAQ now stands at zero, indicating a lack of relationship between the asset classes according to data tracked by research provided by Fairlead Strategies. 
That's interesting. Well, you can't get any less correlated mathematically than zero correlation. You can get negative correlation, but that's still a correlation, whereas zero means like complete randomness between one, the movement of one and the movement of the other. You know, I may be in the minority, but I actually think long-term Bitcoin does become more correlated with the stock market as it kind of integrates itself into the 60-40 portfolio. People just be passively allocating to it. And I think in the future, after Bitcoin monetizes, you know, the bear markets will kind of be like in stocks where it's only 20% peak to trough. What does the market cap look like when this is happening? So you, you look at, you look at much, gold, much for higher. example. Right. Gold, for example, is like, <clears throat> I think it's somewhere between 10 and $12 trillion, depending upon when you measure it. And it... um it's not a big portion of people's portfolios. In fact, majority of people don't allocate to gold at all. So how big does Bitcoin have to be in market cap when, when it's like a regular piece of the recipe? Well, here, here's a thought experiment. If and when Bitcoin becomes the unit of account, you stop talking about its correlation to everything because everything is measured in Bitcoin, right? Right now, we say correlated because it's movement in dollars moves in a certain way relative to the stock prices movement in dollars. But if ultimately uh, the stocks are valued in Bitcoin, well, if stocks go up, they're going up in Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is going down in stocks. If stocks go down, then Bitcoin's going up in stocks. But you know, that, that future state where we're using Bitcoin as the unit of account um, kind of makes that question uh, a bizarre one to ask. Preston got into this on the last Swan Signal podcast and he uses it as an example, um, you know, MicroStrategy's specul speculative attack against uh, the traditional and acceptable mode of treasury management for corporations. And, you know, we all know and understand that there's a premium on equities in, uh, for, because of the fact that the money has lost its store value property. So we buy real estate and we buy equities, somewhat scarce assets um, to try to preserve our wealth and save our uh, hard, hard uh, time that we've spent earning that money. So say, so there's a 30, 30 X like uh, P P E ratio or earnings um, multiple on equities right now for high quality stocks. And that includes MicroStrategy. If you kind of go back to a normal world where the money is actually hard and somewhat scarce, pre nineteen seventy one, pre nineteen thirteen, these you know th these companies trade at maybe ten x multiples. So if you can sell equities, print more equities uh, in your in your company, print more stock, sell that stock, use that money to buy Bitcoin, you're actually increasing the value per share of the stock, even though you're printing the stock because the multiple is so high. Uh, the premium, the store value premium is so high. Uh, so once you start denominating the treasury in Bitcoin, you actually see that you're, uh, you should like logically trade away that premium all the way down to 10x from 30x by accumulating Bitcoin. And it's astonishing. It's, it, it, he's changing how treasury management, acceptable treasury man management standards, um, and he's leading that way. And I think that's going to change over the next five years. And those companies, because they're on treasuries, will be holding Bitcoin. 
And this idea that I came up with, you know, this phrase that I came up with a few years ago, because I was hoping it would happen during that cycle, hodl FOMO, let's combine these two memes together. They're opposites, but if you combine them together, it's people like scared of the idea that they're not holding Bitcoin on their treasury and they're going to be hodlers. They're not going to be traders. So that's going to drive up the price long term. And if we see hodl FOMO develop uh, because of what what MicroStrategy has been doing, because of these ETFs that are launching, um, and and companies and nation states want to start holding Bitcoin on their balance sheets, you're going to see just that not just 10x, but maybe a 100x move uh, because there's this hodl FOMO going on. You've got to get some to hold, or you're going to be completely out of the next phase of the global economy. I think that's a really powerful concept, Brady. And it, and it's one of the things that speaks to the price because people hodling is what constrains the supply that people who are buying have access to. So the more that people hodl, that's where the term, the term comes from, the more the price is protected. So when you end up in a situation where, where, where people are actually holding in the face of rapidly increasing prices, that's what causes this multiple effect when, you know, when, uh, a million dollars goes in and the market cap goes up by 10 million or a hundred million dollars. That's because people aren't selling. If people were selling like crazy into this, that multiple wouldn't take place. But as that multiple takes place, that's, that's what leads to Bitcoin having enough aggregate value that it can actually serve as national and global money supply. Right? It's nice that it's over 900 billion now, but that's still really small compared to what the total value of money plus debt, you know, of dollars plus debt is. And that's just one nation. So you need to, you don't just need to be bigger than the U.S. dollar at the end of the day. You kind of need to be as big as, or somewhat as big as all the Western currencies combined. So hold until it's there. Never sell. Just spend what you need to. Um, what's the next target after Meta? Like what's Bitcoin chasing down now? I think silver. I'm going to have to go back and look at the chart. Somebody, if you've got it handy, shoot it to me. But I think silver is next. And then it goes on with the other really big companies. Where is it bigger than all the fiat currencies yet? Apart from the dollar? Like, is it bigger than the pound and the euro? No. It, I, the last time I checked, it was like 13 or 14 in terms of national currencies. There's still quite a few currencies that are... Uh, over a trillion or over two or three trillion dollars, but but it's it's you know it's probably going to be in the top ten. Pre it may already have crossed into the top ten because the last time I looked was before this recent run up. It was late last year. I looked like last year, like December thirtieth or something, so long ago. Yeah, no, I remember doing that as well, and I'm just looking forward to the Christine Lagarde memes when it overtakes the euro, and the Rishi Sunak oh, memes when it overtakes the pound. That's going to be a good day. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like she's going to like shrivel up like the Wicked Witch of the West, you know? Her toes are going to... And she's just going to turn into a little puff of smoke. Oh, I see okay, more like the White Witch of um, Narnia. Oh, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Jacob just gave, me the, just gave me the chart. The next thing that's going to get killed by Bitcoin is NVIDIA, then Silver, then Amazon, then Google, then Saudi Aramco, Microsoft, Apple, and finally Gold at... 13.6 trillion market cap. I feel like we should take Peter Schiff, put him in some sort of magnet, magnetic containment vessel, you know, like they use for, um, you know, like antiparticles. And then as he spins in his grave, we could use that as an energy source to power Bitcoin miners in the future. Because when Bitcoin overtakes gold, 
he's going to explode into fiery energy. He'll spin in his grave so fast that it'll generate. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just bring him back every two cycles and see what he has to say about Bitcoin. Like every eight years. Well, cy- cycles of his Bitcoin. body or cycles, like Bitcoin cycles? No, 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 Bitcoin cycles. cycles. Yeah, every four, <laughs> every every epoch. <laughs> Nailed it. Just checking. Mm. But Alex, there are no fiat currencies listed there. Does that mean that Bitcoin is bigger than all these fiat currencies already? No, this was compared just to other assets such as uh, company stocks, gold and silver. This was not a chart including the currencies. So that would be a different one. Okay. Okay. All right, moving on. Again, from Bitcoin Veterans Daily Intelligence Brief, the SEC has issued fresh comments on the Bitcoin ETF S1s as the January 10th deadline for the approval of several spot Bitcoin ETFs looms. The SEC has made a notable move by sending new comments on the updated S1 filings just hours after their submission, and they turned that stuff around. I mean, this at this point, I think this is unprecedented. I've never heard of um, this going back and forth so quickly. There was a comment by Perian um, Boring, Perian Boring, who said that this might signal delay. Not sure about that. Do you guys have any thoughts here? No one wants to opine on that. <laughs> okay, so apparently, yeah, I, I got a, I got a quick take. Yeah, um, I was actually listening to the latest Unchained podcast uh, with Laura Shin this morning, and I think it dropped yesterday. Um, and they were actually saying, and I don't know the intricacies of this, but they were saying that the SEC was inviting the, um, the, the, the creators, the managers of these ETFs to actually apply for, um, what is essentially a, like accelerated, um, trading, like beginning of the trading. So that maybe it would actually happen this week. And I don't know why, like the trading would open maybe Thursday or Friday, but they've actually invited these companies to file documents to accelerate the beginning of trading. That's according to that Unchained episode yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting. So apparently the filings are indicating two entities are among the prospective issuers uh, sending comments in the last 24 hours. Um, Among the changes in the latest updated filing, Tuesday is wording that seeks to mitigate damage to shareholders in the event of insolvency and avoid a conflict of interest between the ETF's authorized participants. And the SEC is widely expected to approve all applications this week. I guess tomorrow is the big day. Well, there's still a chance to front run Wall Street all day today. And part of the day tomorrow, if if these uh, speculations are all are all true, do we know what time it's gonna um, <clears throat> it's gonna be all approved at once? And the reason I ask is because I'm boarding a plane at 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, that's sort of London time, and I'm gonna be on a flight for 10 hours. <laughs> so, and I really I'm don't want to so- miss any of this, you know, activity. This is like the biggest event of the year. Um, just in terms of you know action drama, and of course there's going to be some price movement. One would hope it's upwards, but realistically it's just going to be volatile, isn't it? You'll probably want to splurge for the on-plane Wi-Fi then. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've literally never done that in my life, so this could be a big day. This is it's the first time for everything. Headlines will read: Joe Nakamoto buys 
airplane Wi-Fi. The <laughs> okay, longest wait, wait, wait. Wi-Fi. So contra- <laughs> 10x leverage Bull market on. confirmed. Yeah, air market, <laughs> airplane Wi-Fi. Wait a minute. So we have heard over and over again that it, like the ETF is just about to get approved. You know, I'm, yesterday it was just about to get approved. Now it's Wednesday. It's just about to get approved. What is the chance that on Wednesday it's just delayed again? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it can happen. Nobody knows, right? But um, it, it, the if news there, does seem to line up. Oh, sorry, sorry, Alex. I thought you were. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that if they are making these kind of last moment, as far as I know, this has never happened before, where they're making last moment changes uh, back and oh, forth like this. So uh, that to me is indicative that they're they're on some kind of time constraint, which means they're they're going to do it. Got it. Okay. So the the idea is that because they are submitting these last minute, like, hey, you got to update this aspect of the filing in order to be good without a specification of what good is 100%, because that's never happened before. It's a strong indicator that they are about to actually approve them. Got it. Yeah, it I think so. Like Speculation, but yeah. Create a, fair, a level playing field for making sure that all the dots are eyes, or all the I's are dots and dotted and T's are crossed to get to get this thing out the gate. So like if something... Co- catastrophic happens that they can't get it going i guess they'll say they'll hold they'll hold in some way but it looks like they're more in a the show must go on and the curtain is to be raised on the timelines that they've leaked out to the press that many many people in the press are saying they've heard from multiple sources um this information that we're just parroting over here so no i guess no one can know for sure for sure what yeah, do the betting market say can you still bet against the ETF being approved tomorrow? Didn't even I mean, know there was a take... betting market on there. Mm. Yeah, there have been there have been various uh, sites where you can bet the date of the ETF being approved, and yeah, the range of it being approved. Like it will be approved this year. I, I don't know who would want to take that bet, but it's gambling, right? So yeah, somebody would. Joe Carlosari down there in the audience is laughing, so he 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 thinks that's funny. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> good morning. Morning. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Alex, but a couple months ago I had made a, a comment about January 10th being like the date that it would probably be announced. Now, I don't pretend to hold any like special information. I just throughout the last few months, however long these conversations have been going on, um, ever since that court ruling, uh, the consistent date that people have put out has been January 10th, just because that's, I think when the comments period ended and just to do everything by the books and just everything continues to line up against that. That doesn't mean that it's like a slam dunk. Oh, you heard it here first. Like, no, wait for the news to be announced. But everything since the court ruling has been indicating January 10th. So if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then it's, then the question will be like, well, is it just, are they nixing it? I kind of don't see that. I, I just don't know why they would push it if they're going to approve it eventually. It seems like everything's lining up for tomorrow. Yeah, it'd be very incongruent for them to put this much time and energy and going back and forth at the last minute if um, if they're going to nix it completely. I mean, I'm not saying maybe there's small some small percentage chance there's a delay. Seth, good morning. Hey, so yeah, to answer P's question, um, there is not technically a delay option anymore. The next deadline is the ARC. 
ETF and it is either approve or deny. So they could technically deny that one. I think BlackRock's up next in March. So, but then you're going to get into litigation there. So there's no more delaying. It truly is approve or deny at this point. Joe? I um, was just wondering, as an American, are you interested in buying the ETF? This is to all the Americans in the panel, which I think is everyone. Um, are you interested? Oh, there's one Bitcoin veteran is saying no. Um, would you buy the ETF just to be part of this, you know, historic event in Bitcoin history? You know, something that the Winkle Vi have been trying to set up for over a decade now. Is it the sort well, of thing you're going to, you know, frame it on your wall for 50 years time? I bought one share of the Van Eck or the, or the Shane, Black Rock. Shane, why would I do that when I could <laughs> buy the actual underlying asset? Bitcoin no, I mean, ETF, of course, yeah. of course. I'm not trying to say that we should buy uh, the paper Bitcoin. I'm just saying, you know, is it a quirky sort of thing that you might want to be part of? Or is it a strong, you know, no, no. Feel free to kick me off the stage, guys. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling yeah. that. That's a strong no, no. I'd rather buy P's Bitcoin Lego set than a, than a fucking share of Bitcoin <laughs> ETF. Oh, man. Is his Lego set as bad as I've heard as well? It's a Bitcoin, yes, like I said. <laughs> I, although I will say, like, that's one of the funny things about, you know, securities is that it used to be the case that if you owned or if you purchased a bond or something like that, you actually got a certificate that represented that item. You can't get that anymore. If you go to Fidelity or Schwab or whoever and you invest in, choose your stock, you don't actually own that thing. You are trusting them to basically, cut, you know, to hold that thing for you. And I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you can actually get a like certificate at all anymore. But I would isn't love that. that. I love the that idea. What, isn't that what ordinal like ordinals are for, or like non fungible uh, tokens on top of Bitcoin? Like why, why you got why you got to bring up ordinals? <laughs> why you got to be like that, Brady? No, I mean like I love the idea of like having a bunch of certificates on my wall. But unfortunately, we live in a fiat world, and I don't even think you can get that anymore. Even if you did, you know, buy one share in you know uh btfd which is an amazing ticker by the way i don't think you I get hate, it i hate to be the guy who brings this conversation back down to seriousness in fact there there's a link in the nest i think it's the second link in the nest um from swan bitcoin client services that has an article attached to it from swan that describes the difference between etfs and and real bitcoin for lack of a of a better term and explains what the meaning of these etfs are and it's a pretty short article so i would encourage people to read it there are there are a few material differences um and we talked we talked about them yesterday at length so you can also listen to the recording of yesterday's show but there are real differences um and 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 significant advantages i would say to owning real bitcoin as opposed to etfs the the big advantage for etfs is as a gateway experience it's it's easy for people who already have brokerage accounts and and hold securities uh in brokerages this will then just become another security you can buy on an exchange uh, but you don't get all the benefits of self-custody 24 7 access to the market the ability to tax loss harvest like we we talked about these yesterday so i won't rehash them all but there's quite a few reasons why you might want to uh, get some real bitcoin just in case yeah absolutely that is a great article and i said that to a number of people for sure thanks guys as well that that does certainly answer my question as to why or whether or not you might want to just buy it for the the meme value or the you know certificate value if there isn't like you know you'd hope that you'd get a letter in the mail or something saying you know 
a nice picture of Gary smiling at you saying, well done, you bought the Bitcoin ETF. You're, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he will sign my certificate with that phrase, I'm all in. Let's go. 10x level okay. long. If they, offered, well, uh, if they offered redemption of the underlying Bitcoin, I may buy it just to test it out and try to drain their, their Bitcoin reserves and withdraw to self-custody. But I don't know that they'll do that, uh, at least not immediately. Everything you know, we've heard is that they must be cash settled, so they can't be settled in in kind or in specimen. Uh, so unless that's changed, uh, that's not the case yet. Speaking of Gary, another bullish tidbit, anecdotal uh, tidbit here is that apparently he's now tweeting out threads on how to buy Bitcoin. So I don't know. When, when we approve these, here's how you do it. I don't know. Was he hacked? No, that was his. That was his account. His his tweet got twenty seven million mm. views yesterday. The the one you're talking about, Alex. Yeah, the FOMO one is that. Yeah, his his most viewed sort of tweet thread ever. I mean, that's viral by anyone's uh, sort of metrics. You know, twenty seven million is insane. Uh, you know, it's half the population of the UK for context. And yet, he's talking about FOMO and Bitcoin and ETFs. It's, uh, it's we are really entering a really weird, interesting phase of Bitcoin history. I couldn't actually read the whole thread. The only thing I could read was the top tweet. What when you say he was talking about FOMO, et cetera, like what is what did he say exactly? I'm opening up the tweet thread now. Uh, it's it's essentially what we we would expect him to say. He's just like you know, be careful, cryptocurrencies. You know, there's a lot of scams out there. There's a lot of bad actors. Uh, you know, we've seen what's happened in the past. It's almost like the whole tweet thread was leading towards, hey, you should buy Bitcoin and you should buy our ETF. Somebody's yeah, front running it. It's fascinating. It's um, by the way, rewinding to the earlier conversation about the the top largest fiat currency in the world, currencies in the world by market cap. I believe we've got it up in the nest now. Uh, thanks, Chris Lamo, for pulling this up. And yes, Bitcoin is currently the sixteenth behind the Mexican peso, and then above that, you've got the ruble, Swiss franc, Taiwan dollar, Australian dollar, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up to the U.S. dollar and the Chinese yuan. Wow, the Chinese yuan is, has a higher market cap, apparently, than the U.S. dollar. That's surprising. I'm curious it's hard, about... It's hard to audit the supply. Of, you know, like one thing with, with, with stocks, the companies, you know, they may issue and retire stocks, but they, there's an accurate public accounting of how much there is. With currency and and other commodities like gold nobody really knows exactly how much is out there right so it's it's hard it's hard to say especially yeah, so much of the value of of these currencies is debt issued by intermediaries and and there's lots of count there's there's an excess supply of counterfeit currency in the market too so it's it's hard to know. Like there won't be one day when we can definitively celebrate passing, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like it's slightly bigger, or slightly smaller. It matters, you know, general directional size, and and the, and that size is off. It kind of gets measured in an order of magnitude. And it's like where Bitcoin is now. It's kind of in the trillion range. 
the next big milestone is not 1.3 trillion, it's 10 trillion, right? Or, and, and you're kind of in that log, you need to look at all this stuff logarithmically and say kind of when you're in the 5 trillion range, now you're, now you're approaching that next order of magnitude. Thinking big. And it's, it's, po it's possible for that to happen during this cycle, the, the way everything is shaping up. To pass gold to be in to 10x, I mean, not just possible, but almost likely, based on fundamentals and the kind of macro situation um, and infrastructure and traditional finance kind of more interfacing with Bitcoin. Plus, I mean, what what is what are the last cycle few cycles? I mean, do we go 18x last cycle? Is that right? From the bottom, I can't remember. I've got but, it here somewhere. Let me pull it up. It'll be a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tomer. I was. I thought Joe uh, Carlosari was still in the audience. He made a satirical tweet yesterday saying we were going to fifty million a coin. So I thought, I thought I would say that you know, we're Joe's target is much more than eighteen x. But I know that that was just a joke. Some Finally, Joe goes from from bearish to slightly less bearish. <laughs> Okay, so here are the cycles, and this is from the halving to a year after the halving, apparently. 2012, it was 2.8x, 2016, 3.9x, 2020, 6.7x. Um, okay, way off. But trending up towards 10. Trending up towards 10. I think it would have to be a little more than 10, because if we're sitting at 907 billion today, uh, 10xing that. Um, we'd have to. We have a little, little farther to go there, but still. But this is why I say, like, if if you're at nine trillion, ten trillion isn't like a magic number. It's like you're you're in the order of magnitude of ten ten ish trillion, right? And, yes. and you've, you've achieved this uh, significant thing. So that, that's why I say it's like there's a, a sense of like what what's the term people use like um, false precision. Right, it's like if you made, if you made it to nine trillion and you didn't quite make it to ten trillion, it's not like something magical was going to happen at exactly the ten trillion mark. It's like you got you got within distance of that. It's of what that. we call it's what we call acceptable target in the military. You've got precision target, which means you're trying to hit an exact point, but acceptable target is getting the job done. <laughs> this is in the acceptable target area. I think Dr. Jeff uh, essentially had a 10x. I forget how he got there, but he he thought that at the end of this bull market, towards the end of 2025, we'd probably be in the 450, 475,000 range. Okay, so um, next up, we were <laughs> we were having a conversation earlier today prior to the show about all these really witty ticker symbols that these ETFs are, are acquiring. And uh, it's pretty funny. Who's got the list? Some of these are pretty pretty hilarious. I guess VanEck uh, is now listed at the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation with the ticker symbol HODL. Right on. Based. Burr is still my favorite. That's that's just that's just awesome. B R R R. Some of these isn't, people know the target market. Isn't one of them BT, BTFD? 
Yeah, BTFD. Who's got Burr, Terrence? Um, sorry, I I don't remember. I thought that was maybe Bitwise or something. It was one I of think those it's Valkyrie. Has oh, no yeah, one yeah. done HFSP? There's not Mitchell's a right, it's Valshire. <laughs> oh my God, does somebody have HFSP? That would be so damn funny. Uh, that, Someone that should have really FOMO. Good. That would be perfect. FOMO would be good. There's so many good four-letter acronyms or, or, or memes in the Bitcoin space. Maybe this is it. We just needed to develop in as many four-letter memes as there were large financial institutions before ETFs could get approved. Maybe that was the whole holdup here. <laughs> I still think... You know, obviously we're looking at the next couple of days, but if it, if the ETF were to get denied, I would only be able to live through it if Gary dropped a commercial himself, preferably as the most interesting man, you know, saying like, you know, what's interesting, like the ETF, we denied it. And it's like, you know, him with the suit, something like extravagant like that. He had, he can't just do something, you know, formal. It has to be over the top. Would he be promoting Dos Equis because he can't promote the ETFs? Would that be the, uh, <laughs> the stick? I'm 100% on board. Something, something like that, like dropping, you know, like a, a, a fire commercial denial. That's the only way it could come. I saw an interesting tweet about an idea that's, I think it was from Bitpain. The idea that Gary Gensler gave us a gift uh, and had this uh, foresight that none of us, uh, you know, gave him credit for, which which is basically let's wait until the end of the bear market to allow you know before we approve these things and toward the beginning of a of a bull market. It is really good timing, right? Because we got we washed out a ton of these crypto huge crypto exchanges, really made it clear that Bitcoin is not crypto. And I think we've effectively won that battle. It's the beginning of the end of that battle against crypto. And now uh, it's, it's this big um, just affirmation that Bitcoin is a legitimate asset, legitimate money on the global stage. And uh, it, it's just sealing the fate of Bitcoin and making Bitcoin not crypto super clear. So if that was intentional, props. Uh, and I, I, I like the idea. I, you know, I, I actually think that's a, it's a serious thing. Like... Gensler did try to do a number of things, which was to get as much of the scamminess out of the crypto world as possible. He didn't succeed at everything. The lawsuit against Ripple didn't go well. The, the efforts at delaying things didn't go well. But it, but it wasn't all without success. And we, we did see the, the, the market destroy some of these things or, or their fraud run out of time and get destroyed. And so the delays, you know, he, he didn't manage to fully clean up crypto, which was what he was aiming to do, but he managed to delay these ETFs for long enough that crypto got somewhat cleaned up and it's a cleaner market to step into the, uh, justice department's success with, uh, with Binance or Binance as, uh, as they were renamed. And, and so we actually do have a less filled with fraud, market into which these ETFs launch, which I do think is a good thing. And, you know, he probably won't be remembered for this, but it, it's what he actually managed to achieve. So it, it's, it's not just a joke, right? I think it's, I think it's true. And who knows how much longer he's going to stay in this role, to be frank. He seems, 
exhausted. Again, depends on what kind of job he's got lined up on Black, at BlackRock, I guess. Kidding. I'm totally kidding. Well, and again, again, like not, you know, you want to say kidding, but I suspect if he left the SEC tomorrow, the day after, or whenever he wanted to, he would be granted a pretty cushy job at any major Wall Street firm or financial university position appointment. Certainly board yeah. of directorships and speaking gigs. Like we've seen. Yeah, this. He'll, he'll, he'll go on a three to six month speaking tour, right? Where he's commanding a hundred to $150,000 per speech. Of course, being paid by <laughs> the same cast of same characters. people he regulated. Same people. <laughs> yeah. The people he kept in check are going to pay him lots of money to, to take up an hour of their time telling them what. <laughs> it's like, I would love to sit in on one of those keynotes. As we progress down this path of Bitcoin adoption, one thing that is very interesting to me, always has been, probably always will be, is seeing all these bizarre, mar what I call markers along the way, where, okay, so in, in you have these super signalers, so to speak. These are people or institutions or companies that get involved in Bitcoin in one way or another. And it, it causes a ripple effect throughout society, right? Here's a weird one. So apparently <laughs> the Department of Justice is now bragging about Bitcoin's NGU technology. We have a little clip. Almost 120,000 Bitcoin, which at the time was worth approximately $71 million. Today, the value of that Bitcoin has grown to over $4.5 billion, almost 100. That, that gal is, I think she's a spokesman for the DOJ, is she not? Spokesperson? So she's a Bitcoiner is what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, because that's the pattern, right? We've talked about this before, where like, th that's basically the concept of the race to, to avoid the war that Corey talks about where we have to have 10 million plus intransigent Bitcoiners that are sprinkled all throughout. Um, I mean, Corey's focus is the United States, right? Because that the United States is a gigantic sort of super signaler for the world, so to speak, in, in some ways. And, um, if we can get Bitcoiners implanted at every level of society, I mean, if we can replace some of the folks that pull these levers in society, I mean, that is, um, that is the way. And then also created a large enough group of human beings that are just like, this is our hill. We ain't moving. I don't know what you're going to do about it, but we're, we're not going anywhere. It definitely doesn't, fit the narrative that bitcoin is worthless and this like you know transient thing that's going to disappear soon it, it definitely counters that and uh someone will watch that and go wait a minute i thought this thing that 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 does is that correct that doesn't match what i've been hearing in the media for the last you know 10 years yeah that's precisely my point so when you see someone from an institution like the department of justice who 
until, you know, for as long as I can remember, you know, you see lots of folks from various different places. I mean, you get the story, but some people are like, you know, it's only useful for one and only criminals do it. I mean, in, in fact, even Larry Fink was saying that not too long ago. He sure is about faced. And then one week prior to it being announced that JP Morgan is the authorized participant, AKA market maker for a bunch of these ETFs, he's doing congressional testimony saying shut down Bitcoin. It's like, um, yeah, it's interesting when people hear about that kind of stuff, make, makes them think about it. And that's all part of the adoption process. It just shows how incredibly disingenuous he is. Curry, curry favor with the people who regulate him and then go do whatever is best to, for the bottom line of his business. If only, Brady, there was a financial system that didn't have corruptible people in charge of it, influencing it. That would be an amazing invention. Well, they're also, they're also savvy as to what will break through to like mass audiences and what won't. And traditionally, hearings, uh, congressional hearings, we tune in and watch, but your majority of everyday folks are not aware that they're going on. So it's a different medium. You know, it's, it's, it's disingenuous, but I mean, of course they're looking to like, look, I can, I can seem like I'm working with a, a political a politician in this forum and maybe very few people are going to hear about this. And then the headlines about us being a custodian or, or, or an AP people will hear about that or, or us releasing, you know, a new division in our bank. And, uh, you know, they're, they're taking full advantage of that fact. At 120,000 Bitcoin, that is so much Bitcoin and it's completely unattainable for most countries, most companies, most individuals. Like the only people that have more than 120k Bitcoin is what EOS, <laughs> the, you know, the shitcoin project just stacked Bitcoin. Um, Sailor, uh, Satoshi, and I guess Tether. Oh, I'm not. I don't know that Tether's holding off, off the top of my head. But that Apparently, is such a phenomenal amount of Bitcoin. And and it, Terrence it, Yang and Terrence Yang. Don't leave Terrence Yang off there. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the um, Oh, of course, of course. Apparently own apparently own one percent of the supply. Yeah, they owned one percent in was it twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen? Yeah, they bought it. At for which 15, point the, they bought it for fifty million dollars for the settlement money from Facebook? Yeah, yeah. and Bitcoin was, was eight dollars each when they bought eight bucks. And also the supply, the circulating supply was what fourteen, like thirteen, fourteen million back then. So that's yeah, about one hundred forty thousand Bitcoin, or that thereabouts. But, you know, they're not publicly disclosed. We don't know how much the, the Winklevi actually have. But, you know, the, so the DOJ is in this sort of no, They got club. very into shit coining, and I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, FAFO'd. Oh, that would be another great ticker symbol um, Ooh. for a Bitcoin ETF, FAFO. But I suspect, my, my guess would be that they did do that and that they don't hold 1% of the circulating supply anymore at all. But I don't know for sure. Mm. What would be the worst ticker symbols you could think of? You know, all of these ones are great, but are there any that would like not work whatsoever? Maybe D-Y-O-R? No, that's yeah, that would be funny. Yeah, that's rock solid. I love that. Uh, some, I don't know, some shitcoin. Some reference to a shitcoin. SBF. <laughs> yeah, SBFX, yeah. G-F-Y-Y? B-S-V, B-C-H, oh, bad tickers. Yep. Pepe. Yep. 
All right, my ears are already bleeding. <laughs> oh, no. no more, no more. I'm dying. Sorry, guys. That was a good question, though. Sats would be a great one, too. Yeah, Sats. Ooh, Sats would be a great one. I'll take with an S or with a Z. I'm feeling generous. But bits, do we just cancel that immediately? That's just not happening. <laughs> no bits. Sorry, Adam Duck. <laughs> He's like the only guy in the entire ecosystem who thinks that's a good idea. For those that don't know, there is a deep rift in the Bitcoin community between those that believe that the smaller unit of uh, Bitcoin should be sats, and then there's others who believe it should be bits, and it's tearing this community apart. Is it really? I haven't heard anybody else say that. <laughs> Absolutely not. No one gives a shit. No. We're all here for Bitcoin. <laughs> None of it matters. Uh, okay. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left in the show. Here's an important question. Is Samson Mao banging the table for a million Bitcoin? What is this all about? Is this... Okay. Serious question. Is that completely off the table crazy? Do you think is that's just like a... PR stunt that he's doing, or do any of you seriously think there's any chance that it could do something like that? There's very little downside to making extremely bullish calls at the beginning of a bear market. Or I mean, of a bull market, it it just uh, gives you know people love it, tons of engagement, you know, whips up uh, support and FOMO and all of that, uh, and, and you don't really get called out for it later. Really don't. Yeah, because it's crazy, Completely right? Agree. Everybody can look at it and be like, that is so ridiculous. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, I mean, all you have to say is I had, you know, super, uh, what, what am I going to say? I was super convicted, you know, super conviction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I believe in Bitcoin too much. My only, my only weakness is that I'm too strong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously wild and, and highly unlikely. But if you look at the events, I think he's making a play on, not what is likely going to happen as far as inflows, but, but in the total realm of what could happen, right? You know, we all know that there's going to be some institutions that are slow to, to come to the party and get on board. But at the same time, if things acted in a way that we weren't expecting and there was a mass dash at the institutional level, I don't think it's impossible, and, and I mean, I think I think more it's it's highly unlikely that these institutions will all flow in, you know, aggressively at the same time. But could it happen? And considering all the people that look to, you know, how many people in the world just have their portfolios on, you know, uh, my portfolio just automatically does what the top, you know, uh, portfolios in BlackRock, Fidelity, et cetera, do. And they just follow that Uh it could happen, but highly unlikely. But I think he's just taking, you know, he's looking at that saying, I'm going to play the unlikely uh, scenario. I'd say there is such a thing as a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, if, if many people believe that it's going to a certain price or in the range of a certain price, they're not going to sell prior to it reaching that price. And that therefore means that as others come in, they have to bid the price up to something close to that. So I, I think that there's a lot of rooting and, and we've seen in past cycles as well, euphoria kick in and people think, you know, that there's no ceiling until until eventually we get to one. But nobody was thinking last cycle that we're going to 69,000 when it started to run up super fast in that direction five months beforehand. But, you know, it started to feel more and more 
real as we saw Michael Saylor coming in and buying large chunks and we thought and Tesla coming in and buying large chunks and we thought oh this is it now here it comes so there's I would just say people thinking high and thinking of what needs to be true to make it high can it's a dynamic system you know their their words actually impact the system potentially so I'm not I myself don't think we're going anywhere near a million dollars in in the next uh few weeks but but we'll see. I probably won't sell if we, you know, if we get if we get close to there, anyways. That's that's another interesting thing too, right, Tomer? Like, if it helps, some people are gonna it's gonna hurt. Like that kind of those kind of bullish things. I can see why people get upset because they set unrealistic expectations. But if it helps some people get into Bitcoin for the long run for the 10, 20 year outlook by setting a parameter that is like makes a hundred thousand seem not scare them away. Cause we still know, right. We talk to people every day that go, I talked to 10 people the other day that said, Oh yeah, I didn't get into Bitcoin, but it's just too unattainable. Now it's too high. The price went up too high. So I can't get in. Um, and so if it helps shape that, that that's a net positive. Yeah. That unit bias thing is important. The, the ETS will possibly help break some of that psychology because you can buy um, small units for much, much cheap. And it is not no longer unobtainium. What's crazy is that there is a path to a million dollars a coin, you know, in the next few years. Uh, if that HODL FOMO thesis plays out and tons of long-term uh, strategies like a corporate treasury or a nation state um, treasury would uh, bring in trillions of dollars. So what, right now there's about 19 million Bitcoin issued. So that'd be a, a $19 trillion market cap. Right now we're at about a trillion. Um, you know, the gold is at 14 trillion. So it's not absurd. <laughs> uh, and there is some chance. I think it's relatively low, but you know, what's it is still crazy that it's actually plausible. Two things that I think will have a big impact that <clears throat> number one, the the institutions initiating professional coverage on Bitcoin, that's gonna be a thing. And um, I think that will have a massive impact. The other thing is I agree with Dom 100%. Some fund manager is going to, a well-known fund manager is going to allocate the Bitcoin. And the performance of their portfolio is going to change. And then, you know, people in the industry are going to look at that. And they're going to be like, holy crap, this guy's crushing us. We need to do something about that. And that... <clears throat> When you start to see all of those professional allocators kind of trying to match the performance, I think that that is going to open up even bigger changes in the numbers than than all of us, um, you know, rah rahing the the ETFs. That long term, the amount of capital controlled by finance, um, finance registered investment advisors, et cetera, is massive, massive, and will have a, a huge impact because, especially because. People are continually buying, right? There's this thing where who's buying Bitcoin? Every time the price dips, and I'll tell you this from an anecdotal position in my seat at Swan, I see it. If the price dips 6 to 8%, Bitcoiners are backing up the fucking trucks. If it drops to 10, if it drops 10%, they're backing up bigger trucks. And so we basically form a bottom. And or or we are the we are the bottom. We catch it if it's falling, right? <clears throat> and I think 
the continuous buying from professional money managers, if it's retirement portfolios especially, um, will create a constant pressure against a finite supply, which is really crazy to think about, man. We're going to see, we're in for a world of really big changes here. Yeah, those, that's another, that's, real quick, that's another hot FOMO source of strategy is uh, retirement funds or pension funds, which I know Dom's working on. Okay, sorry to interrupt, whoever that was. I was just going to say, somewhere someone has to have a truck backup alarm little button on their desk when they take calls and then they press it and people are like, what's that noise in the background? It's like, oh, people are backing up the truck. But anyways, what's your question about Bitcoin? Um, we got to get you one of those, Alex, for the, for the desk. But along the lines of what you were what you were saying, the trickle down effect of that is massive too, and I've seen that just very in a very very micro level with the unions that have kind of like added Bitcoin to the balance sheet. The members' uh, antenna perks up heavily, and they are asking, "Why is you know the institution or or the the organization that we're a part of? Why are they doing this?" Same with funds like Alex said that take that leap, whether it's a pension fund. You know, someone out there will do it and go, you know what, we're doing this. And all the participants will go, why? Why are we doing this? And when and 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 when the positive results start flowing in, they will then go, you know, talking to their people saying, oh, yeah, my fund did this or here's where I'm sitting because of this. And personally, I need to do this. So it's like massive. Um, those kind of inflows are massive. And it's very real because you all have seen that. You know, anytime these signalers, especially an organization that you're a member of, if you're paying into a fund, if you invest with a fund and they make a move, you are going to take the time to look into why did they do that? Not everyone, but more people than before. All right. A couple of minutes left on the show. Let's go with some closing comments and then we'll uh, start wrapping up here. I'm happy to jump in just about the, um, the one million price target. So that was relevant to me in a conversation I had on yesterday morning with a Financial Times journalist called William Cohen. He was gracious enough to sort of have a call with me, have a chat about a piece that he published in the FT the other day in which he made the point that Bitcoin has no use and there aren't really any use cases. And obviously, Bitcoin Twitter did his thing, um, you know, jumped on him and all that. And that was like sort of the first part of the call. But the second part of the call was me sort of sharing a load of examples and he was he was listening it was nice and at the end i was like okay so at what point for you is like bitcoin a, a success at what point does it have mass adoption at what point is there is it like a pricing is it a usability thing is it you know your your taxi driver or your hairdresser talking about it and he's like you know what i think it's one million a coin i was like okay great one million a coin you are finally like convinced as a financial times journalist of the uh of the validity of this thing so that's you know, from, from my I think we lost Joe. I did. Point of view. I've got to get it off my chest. But he's interviewed Sailor. He, I totally get it. I get the tech. I get how it works. I'm like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> you're still like, you know, coming back with really sort of basic uh, queries and stuff that you, you sort of, what's the word? You, you move away from that sort of thinking after, what, five hours of Bitcoin study? You know, you can read, you know, the, the first 20 pages of the Bitcoin standard and have a better understanding of Bitcoin than, um, than he did. Um, but yeah, one million a coin, and this Financial Times journalist gets it. So that's good for us. That's all it takes. All right. Challenge accepted. Anyone else? Closing comments? 
All right. I will say this as we wrap up here. Y'all should probably stay conservative, you know, manage those portfolios in a very conservative way. Don't allocate too much to Bitcoin. Don't get all crazy, you know, because uh, all the things, all the reasons. However, as far as I'm concerned, there is no second best. Jacob, that's your cue. There is no second best. <laughs> Jesus. Which one's the best crypto asset? Well, Bitcoin's the best crypto asset. Okay. What's the second best? There is no second best. There's no second best crypto asset. There's a crypto asset. It's called Bitcoin, right? Right? There's no second best. Okay. But take all your money, buy Bitcoin. Then take all your time, figure out how to borrow more money to buy more Bitcoin. Then take all your time and figure out what you can sell to buy Bitcoin. And if you absolutely love the thing that you're that you don't want to sell it. Go mortgage your house and buy Bitcoin with it. And if you've got a business that you love because your family works for the business that's in your family for 37 years and you can't bear to sell it, mortgage it, finance it, and convert the proceeds into the hardest money on earth, which is Bitcoin. That's Sailor at peak Bitcoin euphoria. <laughs> Don't do those things, but buy and hodl responsibly. Yes, be responsible. As we enter this bull market, people are going to get crazy. I'll probably sell one of my kidneys. Don't be one of those people. Make sure you have enough steam to make it to the end. Stay solvent. Take delivery of your Bitcoin. Get the Bitcoin off the exchanges. All that jazz. All right. Keep your eyes, guys, on the Swan YouTube channel and the Twitter as we will be streaming live ETF coverage with the play-by-play. -play. Anytime things are breaking, check it out. If you haven't got your Pacific Bitcoin tickets yet, you can still do so. Obviously, the promo code that you can use is CAFE for a discount. Fully refundable, uh, I believe, until the first or beginning or end of February. We'll find out for sure. But they are refundable for a bit yet, so no reason not to pick them up. Uh, and that's it. We're going to wrap. You have been listening to CAFE Bitcoin. The place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. Also, a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Overcast, and Fountain. Throw me or Swan a follow. Be notified when those drop. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin, the sponsor of the show. I'm your host, Alex Danzig. I work with Swan. If you want to know more, shoot me a DM. If you want to get irresponsible with your portfolio, I'm just kidding. I'm a very responsible person with my portfolio, even though... Boop, boop, boop. Oh, it's a backup alarm. <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks again to the speakers who come on here every single day and spend your personal time teaching people about this bright orange future i admire you for doing that and respect you greatly this is what we call getting on the mission if you don't know what that means hang on you figure it out love you guys everybody go out there have a great day today and crush it